to another season of One of Us as a Filmmaker podcast with me, Orion, and my wonderful sister, Cassia. Hello, hello, hello. And Hi. we are a dynamic duo of a brother and sister <laughs> that love to talk about our nostalgic movies in the One of Us as a Filmmaker podcast. So we are very excited because mm. we are kicking off today's episode with a, something I think everyone is probably aware of. Oh, yeah. As a, as a franchise. It's quite a mystical, magical start to the season with Harry Potter. Harry Potter. So. Started out in uh, 2001, mm-hmm. which, as we've discussed, was a great year for movies. Oh, yeah. It's part mm. of the, uh, the 2001 era. Yes. I call it an era. I mean, it was one year, but still, it was almost like defined. You were very young when the first Harry Potter movie came out. I know. I can't remember, mm. if I'm honest, my first watching of it. But I must have been very, very young. Do you know, we watched Harry Potter and we saw it in the cinema and then every Easter is when the videos would come out. So I remember mm. very clearly queuing in line in W.H. Wow. Smith, Smith in Waterloo train station to get Harry Potter 1 and 2 on video. Not bad. Big part of the childhood. Mm. You know, I always loved films and Harry Potter, especially the early ones, big part of the films I like to see. Yeah, Harry Potter... It's massive. It's huge. It's a huge world. If people don't know, which I'm sure you do, it is a series of books mm. written by J.K. Rowling. Mm. And they came out in the like mid-90s, I think, yeah. the first book. The, like, the first one was, yeah. 96, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because their production company that made Harry Potter, Here Comes the uh, Filmmaker team oh, that's coming go. out. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, David Heyman's the producer on all the films. It's um, Heyday Films, and his secretary found... Harry Potter in a pile of books that they had to read and right. um, to possibly uh, option and develop into movies. Mm-hmm. And she read it. It was apparently it was at the bottom of the pile, just sort of forgotten about. She picked it up, read it, thought it was great, and convinced uh, David Heyman, the producer, to read it. Right. Rest is history. Yeah. I mean, it's now one of the biggest franchises of all time. That, you, people owe a lot to that secretary. I wish we knew I her know, name. Yeah. I want to know her name. Congratulations yeah. for making this. Uh, yeah, well, well uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> She's the spark that yeah. ignited the Harry Potter revolution. I wonder if she got anything from it apart from... No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, Absolutely not. Sad time. Well, in memory, whoever of, you are, well of done. The secretary. <laughs> <laughs> of the secretary, well done. This episode is dedicated to you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Excellent. Had you read the books? Interestingly, I had read the first one when mm. I was a bit younger. I don't read too much, so... it. <laughs> It's not that I didn't enjoy it and so didn't want to read the others. It's just that I just didn't read much. Yeah. So I just didn't read the others. So I always had like a base knowledge of Harry Potter books slightly. Mm. And then loads of people around me had read them. So like I kind of knew what the vibe was. Yeah. You know. I I am similar in that I don't read very much. I didn't read very much when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Our sister had all the books and I remember seeing them around and the, you know, the cover. Yeah, I remember seeing, very specifically, I remember seeing Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire Mm. and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix because the Phoenix, it had that big phoenix. It was a really like fat red book. It was massive. Huge. Yeah. Well, like ready pink. That's what I remember. I thought it was like orangey. Well, well, yeah. Those sort of spectrum <laughs> that colours. Spectrum there you colours. Go. Yeah. But no, I never read any of the Harry Potter books. Mm. Um, wow, okay. No, I not even a bit of the first one. People always said I should. Mm-hmm. I probably would enjoy it. And I think what I've been told is that it's more about the stories and the world being really fun and mm. good rather than like the writing being really good. Not in a yeah, disrespectful I, uh, way, but as in I think it's quite easy to read, mm. which actually for someone like me who finds books hard to read, mm. it probably actually would be great. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, no, and, and and that's actually the stuff I've heard more so, is that the writing actually isn't particularly great, but what J.K. Rowling was able to build was a really, like, expansive and interesting world, and there was a lot of thought put into it. I mean, there's the whole controversy surrounding J.K. Rowling, and you can have your opinions of her as a person. I don't think, from what I've seen and read, J.K. Rowling's writing is particularly great, and especially seeing the... We're not necessarily talking about them today, but the Fantastic Beasts films, Mm -hmm. they were very poorly written, and they were screenplayed by J.K. Rowling. I I had never seen these Fantastic Beasts films. We watched... Which one did we watch? You made me watch it the other day. Was it the second one? I think so. Because the first one was passable. You were like, nothing happens in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first... So this is the order. The first one was passable. The second one, I've never seen a film where literally there's no plot, and that was one of them. And then the third one was not very good at all. That's a shame, that. Yeah. Unfortunately, J.K. Rowling is not a screenwriter. Mm. 
Stick to the books. <laughs> you stick to the books. Stick to the books. I mean, to be fair, I will attest to the fact that writing a screenplay is totally different oh, to any other medium. Like, of course. Some people just cannot do it. For me, it's what I'm absolutely best at. I'm mm. not great. I mean, I actually, I would say I'm actively bad at writing prose. It, like, I have to work really hard to write something good in a prose setting. So whether it's a novel or yeah. a synopsis or something. Anything in the third person I find really hard. But then if I'm writing a screenplay, I just thrive. Like, it's so easy for me. It's so natural. Playwriting is like, mm, can be good, can be not so good. <laughs> I think the difference is, from my perspective, between, like, novel writing and screenwriting is, well, number one, the space. You are physically given more space and time mm. in a novel. Just straight up. Because the screenplay has to be, like, what, like 90 pages realistically to be, like, a feature length? 90 to 110. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a feature length. That's that's that. But Order of the Phoenix is what? Like 800 pages? I don't know, something ridiculous like that. So you've got so much more time and space. The other thing is, like you said with the prose, it's like a screenplay has to be way less descriptive and way more conversational. Yeah. Whereas like a book, you can describe everything. You need to describe things because everything will not be visualised. It will be internalised and visualised in your own head. Whereas obviously screen is going to be showing everything. Yeah. So that's, that's, those are like the two main things. And I think they are big differences for sure it's like when i i do sort of workshops on screenwriting and mentor people about screenwriting and the big thing is with your action it's like not to over uh describe everything and mm. not to over elaborate everything it's just like the basic information you need you want to be evocative but not descriptive mm. two very different things. And you can be ev evocative in the dialogue as well like the dialogue for sure yeah and I mean, dialogue's another thing that's very different in a screenplay mm. because you don't want to be expositionary with your dialogue. You mm. want to be... Anything you can tell through a character's action or behaviour is so much better. Mm. Or anything, any exposition you can tell through something visual is what you want to aim to do. I mean, it's yeah. film at the end of the day. Yeah. TV. Yeah. Uh, I love it. And we know that Harry Potter's being made into a TV series. Great. <laughs> Although I think some fans think, you know, the good thing about a TV series is... You know, it's seven books long. There's a lot they had to cut out from the movies. TV series, they put all those subplots and other characters in mm. and they cut out. It does go back to an age-old debate about, like, you know, when people who are diehard fans of the books are like, mm. they didn't put this in the film, they didn't put this in the film. You know, I think the way I approach that kind of thing is, like, it's a different medium. Mm. Like, you, you can't expect these details to be in the film and you need to sort of treat the film... Obviously, it's based on it, but you need to treat it as its own kind of entity. So maybe I do have to look at the TV show as its kind of own entity as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe it does make sense. You have a lot of information in the books. TV show, you can do whatever the heck you want because you've got a billion hours of television time. <laughs> billion hours. Well. Can feel like that sometimes. It really can in television shows. I. Uh, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I don't think I will watch... The television show. Well, if Rings of Power is any indication, oh, no, no, I can't. No. I can't believe. No, that it's no, going no. To be. I mean, I didn't watch Rings of Power except from episode one, and then someone said, "Well, you're braver than I am." You know, and then someone said that it gets good around episode six, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate that argument. I hate it when people are like, "Oh, it gets good." Does it? <laughs> well, you have to put up with what six hours of crap. I know. I'd just <laughs> rather watch like many more movies and yeah, exactly. just be able to dip into things and not feel like I have to commit mm. to anything too yeah. much. So we've been talking about Harry Potter, we have. about the books, about the TV show, mm -hmm. about the films. Well, mm -hmm. we're going to dive into the films. We haven't actually said what it's about. Ah, uh, so, yes. So Harry Potter, it's a book series, seven books in the series overall. There are eight films, though. Something we'll chat about. Yeah. And uh, basically, it's about a boy called Harry Potter who's got this scar on his head. And he's the boy who lived because there's this big bad called Voldemort. Basically, wants to take over and control the wizarding world. Yeah. And he, uh, Harry Potter is a threat to him, to him coming back big and strong yeah. and taking over. It's basically Harry Potter's journey to defeat Voldemort. There's, there's not too much more to it. No. <laughs> he goes to this very cool school called Hogwarts because he finds out he's a wizard when he turns 11 and all this stuff. Is it 11th birthday or 12th birthday? Oh. I don't, as I said, I haven't read the books and I'm not like... I think it's 11. A hot Potterhead, so... And neither am I. Also, so we we will probably embarrass ourselves slightly yeah. for the uh, Harry Potter fans. Yeah, no. But we're gonna give it a go. Yeah. Because obviously we haven't read the book, so we're not like Potterheads. But no. we know a decent amount about the films. No, I know a lot about the films, especially the early ones. Yeah. My my um, knowledge of the films really goes downhill from film five. 
because we had film one, two, three, four on video. Yeah, but well, I also film think... four on DVD. So I know those very well. Watch them loads, and then five, six, seven, they kind of blur into one for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, I always remember five as standing out apart from those last. That's good. I mean, I I did rewatch them all before uh, this podcasting, so yes, yes, I am you know up to it. Although still, I am thinking five, six, seven are still blurring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Uh, funny, but um, you know, I am really nostalgic about the early ones, and mm. essentially our little format for this episode is that we have to rank these Harry Potter films best to worst and we have to agree and we have to agree we did this last season with the musicals episode and it was fun it was fun I mean it was quite long we're hoping it won't be <laughs> there's only seven films yeah, eight exactly. films, eight films. Um, so we'll just be able to you know dive right into it yeah. and as I said I don't think we need to give loads of context for loads of the, um, Lord of the rings <laughs> easy what I want to be talking about mm-hmm. there <laughs> we go <laughs> oh, I see. the better fantasy no yeah. I'm joking uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to be doing lots of context for explaining stuff because that's fine people know Harry Potter like I, I think Harry Potter is so well known at this point it's it's difficult to find someone who doesn't know about Harry Potter I think yeah people know more about Harry Potter than they do about Lord of the Rings oh yes it's far more accessible yes 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 100 we should just dive in by let's do it running down the films running down well running, <laughs> running through running, running order running through the films okay running the through titles the and the year they came out let's do it and the director okay yes that's important because that it is important, is important. Yeah. Uh, so we have harry potter and the philosopher's stone yes. in 2001 known as harry potter and the sorcerer's stone in america that's strange uh, directed by chris columbus then we have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets 2002 mm-hmm. directed also by Christopher Columbus mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban 2004 Alfonso Cuaron mm-hmm. then we have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire 2005 Mike Newell was the director for that one right. then we had Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix 2007 Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince 2009 Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part Part two, so we have part one, 2010, part two in 2011, and they were all directed by David Yates. Right. Can we give it a go, doing a short one-sentence description of each film? Yeah, that sounds fun. You go first with Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone, go for it. <laughs> it was your idea, now you're black No, because I, now I, I, I have oh, one you... for the other ones, but <laughs> okay. I didn't have one for well, the other ones. Well, I'm going to go backwards then. You pick whichever one you want to do a one-sentence Okay, on. okay. Can I do number six? Go for it. Joko Malfoy walks around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my description of number six. Well, number seven, part one can be they all walk around for a while <laughs> in the forest. They all walk around for a while. Um, seven, part eight is they start to figure things out and there's a resolution. Great. I mean, this is thrilling, really, for our listeners. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I don't know. There's a bad stone. Well, that's kind of good. I There's mean, a bad depends, stone. Depends <laughs> well, it's a good it. stone. It's a good stone, but not in the hands of There's bad people. There's a stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure this is working number, out. Number, number two. Number two. <laughs> oh, God. Um, big snake with sword. It sort of has the sword. Alright, then Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um Time Bandits don't like werewolves. Time bandits. It's because just like Hermione Granger with her. She's a time bandit. Woo. Yeah, with Harry. They figure it out together. Yeah. And then Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. My boy! <laughs> Very good. Alright, and then did you say number five? Oh, number five is Harry's depressed. <laughs> I swear that's all the films to be honest Harry, Harry's a bit depressed I think we need to start oh worst to best or best to worst what do you think worst to best okay because I think the worst is more easy to identify okay in my opinion sure fine right. let's start with the worst Harry Potter film of the franchise I'm just going to go right for it go for it number six number six you say yeah number six so number six is the one where they're going into the vaults to find that thing that sort of tells your prophecy right that's the Half-Blood Prince one. No, that's five. Oh, okay. That's the what? prophecy is number five. So number six uh, is the one where Harry goes back to school, but no one's talking to him. He feels like he's like really left out. And it's the one where Draco Malfoy is trying to get the Death Eaters to... Kill into, Ho- into Hogwarts, yeah. Yeah. So it's that whole long thing. So basically what happens the whole time is Harry's trying to figure out why no one's chatting to him. Mm. And... It's when he starts to realise that there are these weird things that he's connected to Dumbledore in different ways. You mean Voldemort, not Dumbledore? Yeah, Voldemort, thank you very much, not Dumbledore. Very different characters. Yeah, he's connected to Voldemort in all these weird different ways that he didn't know about. And then number seven is when he starts actually doing the whole crux stuff. But 
Mm. Other than the very weird description I just gave to you and to our listeners, nothing happens in number six. I see. It is a very, very boring, dull film. Some people quite like number six. No, they don't. They're kidding themselves. I'm pretty sure it's rated as, like, the worst one. I see. I think it is a bit frustrating, the film, because he receives that weird book, doesn't he? The Half-Blood Prince, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he goes to that potion-making class. Okay, yes. diary. So I don't understand the, like, importance of the book and no. they were oh no I remember no, and no, there no. were weird things when they were like you need to get away from that book and I was like what's the book doing to it it's it not like Tom Riddle's diary <laughs> no that's the thing is Tom Riddle's diary would have made way more sense as the as a scary book mm. but I think the significance is that Snape is a death eater and is connected to Harry mm-hmm. through liking his mum yeah sorry that just plot point makes me laugh yeah right but but <laughs> You're completely right. I don't know about the book, but in the film, it has almost no significance to the outcome of the plot. Yeah, it doesn't. It makes no sense why it's even... And they're all getting mad at him. They're like, you need to get away from that book, Harry. Yeah, because Hermione gets all upset. And she's like, like, why is Harry better than me? (laughs) Because he's got a fancy book. And there's like loads of things in that film where it just isn't like... There's a bit where him and Ron fight over the last two books and or like the last one book and then suddenly there's another book and it's like i don't know just the way that film was plotted out it just feels a bit odd to watch it is odd. i would agree that it's definitely in my least like as a film mm. i say we're not commenting on the logic of necessarily the plot in relation to what's left out from the books and all that yeah. um i think we're just going to make that as a point yeah, yeah like yeah. we're not really commenting on the books yeah um and then there's a whole bit at the end where Dumbledore has to drink that uh, torturous thing. Yeah, that's why. Probably I mean. just chuck it into the water. Yeah, because him and him and Harry go on this weird adventure. And it's not even a real Horcrux. Yeah, I know. How annoying is that? Shucks, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly. Um, yeah, and then so six is spoiler alert: the one where Dumbledore dies, mm. and all of that is a little bit like, well, this is a bit underwhelming. Yeah. I don't know, the whole thing is just... And also, like, from a filmmaking perspective, it's so dark and grey, and it's like, there's no life in that film at all. Yeah, it just feels very heavy. It, yeah, and it, but it's way way too unnecessarily like that. Mm. Because there are moments where it needs to contrast that with a little bit of light, and it doesn't. It's just all just darkness, and it's like, this is just not enjoyable. That's what I think the first three films are good at doing. Mm, very it's good still at Still giving the character and, like establishing bits of the world mm-hmm. like, i understand that yes a lot of the material is lighter generally because at this point of the storyline obviously look things are going really bad and they're kids yeah yeah and they yeah. are younger but still there's like the personality of the film mm. kind of goes in the last few ones all of them but like yeah for number six it's very like dim and sort of dark but not mm. in like a stylistic interesting way which number three is which mm. i would say is more dark but in an interesting way so, so what what is your worst if not number six what would you say probably that or seven part one where they were walking around for a while yeah yeah i just also it's like really lord of the rings riffy offy and you know for me i'm just like yeah and the, but that's a that's a jk rowling point yeah i know yeah it's not really necessarily about the yeah. film per se yeah. yeah i think the pacing i mean there is no pacing in seven part one like <laughs> There is no pacing. There is. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> it's so like slow and laboured, and I don't know if um, again for fans of the book, maybe they like it because uh, they like managed to have the time to do every plot point bit in the book. But um, from a film viewer's perspective, it's a pretty boring, dull film, mm. and the characters are just make really stupid decisions and they're just grumpy all the time. Like this is more of a general thing. I really feel for Ron's character because yeah. he gets no character development over the seven, eight films. No, it's apparently awful. in the book he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a real shame. He's a lot smarter in the books, apparently. Yeah, he so. like just is like from film four onwards, mm. he's just grumpy. Yeah, and like occasionally he'll have like the funny gag, but. Not much. And it's not really clear why in the films, if I'm honest, over the whole course of it, why him and Hermione are really together. Mm. It Like, that sort of bonding and that, like, connection, I don't think really comes across mm. ever. Yeah. So I've always been a little bit confused about that relationship. I mean, the worst relationship is Harry and Ginny. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, um, yeah seven part one... Yeah, even in those moments where it was supposed to be big and bold and tense, like, you know, when they get caught in the house and mm. Bellatrix is, like, inscribing into Hermione's arm and she's screaming. I was a bit like, whatever. 
Like, <laughs> that was like this is not really like that deep, is it? Yeah, and I think a lot of people maybe emotionally connect with seven part one because of the whole Dobby dying situation. I hated that scene. I think but, it was ridiculous. The little knife going through that tiny yeah, little hole. Yeah, it just. I was just like, what? I also just thinking like you've got magic like magic solves a lot of your problems other times like can't you just like have some magical mm. healing for an elf or do some sort of spells like this, sew up a wound or but this is this is the problem with magic as a concept because to define the boundaries of what is possible mm. is a really awkward line to tread and this is a jk rowling thing but also in the films it's important because they need to they need to have established what is very clearly possible and what is very clearly not. Because otherwise, you're completely right. Why does Dobby have to die? It literally mm. makes no sense. They literally had a stone that, like, gave someone new life or something. Yeah, yeah. They literally, like, could just get some sort of plant and just mix some concoction or something. Like, yeah. there's just so much. That well, that's just... what's really hard about Harry Potter, I think, being... Well, A, you start making movies when a franchise hasn't finished being written. Right. Like Game of Thrones is an example as well. Like, yes. when you start making films and you don't know the important stuff and rules that are going to make need to make sense later. Mm. That's hard. And then B, having different directors. You know, the rules change film to film. So there's like the polyjuice potion. In some instances, when people take it in the films, it changes their voice to the character's voice. And other times they have their own voice. Oh, interesting. I and didn't even notice that. Yeah, there's, there's examples of it. And it's just a bit... Yeah, the rules aren't clear a lot of the time. And with magical worlds, it's so hard because, you know, there's times when they're running away and they're like, oh, we can't run fast. But then there's other times where they can do that What's the thing where they like grab the broom? No, no, not not fly, but when they um when when the Dob- flume. No, no, when Dobby dies and they like all get away. Oh, it's like apparate or something. Yeah, like yeah. why can't they like apparate to London at the start of I think it is part six, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start of part seven, part two. I'm so sorry. The beginnings of these movies really go out of my head. Um, they, like, yeah, like, disappear into London. Like, why can't they disappear when they're in the woods running away from these wizard chasers or wherever they are? I know. Bounty hunters. It, it was all a bit silly when actually it was trying to be serious. Mm. And I think it starts to get silly. And I think that's what's great about the earlier ones is it knows it's a bit silly. Mm. But because of that, it's slightly more serious. Yeah. Even though it sort of reverses in the last few. Yeah. So what do you think? You think seven is worse than six? Because mm, I could be yes. open to that. Oh. But six, I think from a filmmaking perspective, is worse. Well, I'm not too attached. So... Should we have them joint last? <laughs> <We're just laughs> no, saying. no, let's do, let's do an order. Let's do an order. Do you remember anything about the sixth one? Like... No, I do, I do. Yeah, I really remember the ending, like the last, like third, like, very clearly. The whole, yeah, like where Dumbledore is in the yeah, top of the tower. Yeah, and they go, and then and then at the beginning when um, Bellatrix, whoever makes Snape take that oath to be like, if yeah, Draco doesn't all... kill him, then you have to kill Dumbledore. Yeah, it's all silly like. and all. Yeah, crap. Um, it's not cra- like it's it's fine. I no, just think the direction. I, I actually think it's not fine. Okay, well, I think Seven Part Two is worse than Seven One. Oh, oh, sorry, Seven One is worse than Six. I think seven. Okay. I think seven part one is worse than the sixth Harry Potter film. Okay, then I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go if we have to agree. Mm. I'm willing to go seven one six. Cool. Cool. We've got spots number eight and seven on our list. <laughs> right now, we need to go for the next one, which I think could be mm. four or eight. Mm, I wouldn't say eight because, as much as you know. I didn't love it as a movie, the final one. Mm-hmm. I do think it does achieve a lot in tying up loose ends well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's I think it's a hard movie to achieve. So I give it more credit than maybe you. You mean were. given the scope of what given the come scope of what's happened? Yeah. And you know the terrible setup of part one. Yeah. So part one. <laughs> but that's a, that's why because so actually, I wouldn't put that. I would I would put number eight higher up. Okay. On the list because I I always think like rewatching number eight. I didn't like it when I first watched it, but rewatching it, I thought, actually, you know what? There's some fun action sequences, isn't there? Like, yeah. you know, like the bit where they go into the bank and like they have that whole rail ride with the dragon yeah. and all that. And I was like, that's pretty cool, actually. Like, it's <laughs> kind of a good action sequence, you know? Mm. Where it starts to lose me is that middle chunk mm. where it's really dull and it's basically and just like a the stare- for Yeah, it's a stare down between the bad guys and the good guys. And then a bit in the forest. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, this is really dull. Yeah, I think what they're trying to do is that tension building there. Right? It's not tension building. Mm, but maybe it's because we're not as invested by this point. Because maybe they, maybe the people who really love the films and the people who love the books were invested by that point. The people who maybe enjoyed the films 
we watched seven part one and we're like mm. but that's the thing is they are separate films technically but they are one film it's two parts of one film should be yeah. well it's seven part one seven part, yeah, two. Two, seven. Seven part two so it's two parts of one film True. so they were filmed together mm-hmm. right so you in a way have to take them as a one film in some sense because like yeah you can't release seven part one and then be like oh seven part two is fantastically good because actually seven part one did taint seven part two mm. and so when you're talking about that tension building well instead of tension building it just reminded me oh this is slightly boring <laughs> seven part one was really boring now it's just boring now it's just boring, <laughs> <laughs> now it's just boring. wow well okay <laughs> well, no, okay so okay so what instead then would make that sixth spot mm. what do we got we got order of the phoenix you don't so, like no, no, so these are the ones that... Okay, so in this middle space, here's where I'm at. The, okay. We've got Order of the Phoenix, yeah. Goblet of Fire, and Seven Part Two, probably. Yeah. Maybe Chamber of Secrets. Ooh. I don't know. Okay. I think Chamber of Secrets is hard for us to judge because we're very nostalgic about it and we watched it a lot. But I think, actually, it is the longest movie and I think... I think a lot of people find it too long. Oh, that's an interesting point that I hadn't really usually considered being too long. <laughs> interesting. It is almost three hours, and it's a kids' film. But it's an interesting one. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I things, don't find it boring. No, but things happen, mm. and it's all very interesting plot points. Yeah. Like the Tom Riddle book, mm. um, the whole thing with the car, yeah. and the whole thing with the spiders, like, and the, the past of Hagrid, and, like... That's all kind of cool and interesting. Like, three hours long, yes. And I mean, three hour long films, there needs to be something done about that. But I enjoy every part well, of you it. You know what's weird is, like, for me, Chamber of Secrets feels less long than, say, The Goblet of Fire. Of course. Goblet of Fire... <laughs> feels long. Because, you know what it is? Goblet of Fire, there's so many different sections to it. Mm. It's like, because of the because of the Triwizard Cup, mm. it is almost in a way not act by act by act it's, yeah it's, it's like stage by stage, stage, by stage. stage yeah so in that way i think it feels long because you're like oh this part's done now there's a whole nother part now there's a whole nother part and it's all very different mm. and it also is just draggy but so where i'm at is sort of in agreement with you in those middle set but in my opinion i always put order of the phoenix slightly above the other two okay so maybe we put goblet of fire possibly in this Sixth spot. I think it is. Mm. So, what is the problem with Goblet of Fire? The problem with Goblet of Fire is that... You tell me. It's all a bit too over the top. Mm. And it's My bit, boy! Yeah. <laughs> and it is great. Actually, to be fair, that's one of the best bits of acting in the film. Yeah, and then, and then Dumbledore comes along with the most rubbish acting ever, and he's just like, get a doctor. Or get, call someone. He's just says something like, really like... This boy needs a doctor. Something like that. Yeah, it? it's... It is, but, there's something like really bad mm. and like I just think the whole thing feels a little bit out of step mm. and maybe what four suffered from is it was out of step compared to the first three which were quite good yeah the first three are very like cohesive within what they're doing mm -hmm. yeah um, and actually I would give props to the last four films directed by David Yates they do have a consistency to them they're it's all sort a bit, of like bit depressing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas like four is a bit sort of all over the place. Yeah, it's almost like it doesn't quite know where to land. And it's hard. I mean, it's a big book. It's got like these weird stages. It's like, how do you sort of, yeah, tie that together? Mm. One of my favourite things about the fourth one, though, is there's that Rita Skeeter woman. And like Emma, what's Emma? Uh, Hermione yeah, the, the interviewer. Yeah, and she's like always taking pictures of like, Hermione Granger and Harry Potter together. And she's just like... Oh, what's the line that Hermione says a line about her, which is really funny. Oh, there's great Hermione lines in all of them. Oh, yeah. Hermione's great. Anyway, I quite enjoy her character in the world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, I do like uh, Moaning Myrtle comes back. do appreciate that. Mm. Like a bit of Moaning Myrtle. We have a lot of characters as well in the fourth one, like all mm. the other schools. And while it's interesting to sort of see those other spaces, it's really hard, I guess, for number four to breathe at all. Do you think it's a Spider-Man 3 issue? Too much. Too much. Too going much at on. once. Uh, probably. I yeah. wonder if it is genuinely like they just the balancing wasn't right between mm. everything going on. It's too hard. Yeah. You know. And then this is where Ron just starts to get really grumpy all the time. Yeah. And annoyed at Harry for being popular or like not popular but being the. But this plot point as well never made any sense. Everyone gets annoyed at Harry for like 
Mm. Yeah. And including Ron. And Ron's obviously going to know why would Harry put his yeah, name like, in the Goblet Harry of Fire? Do that. Yeah. Like, why like on earth would he do that? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it doesn't make any what? sense. Yeah. I have to say, I just think four suffers. Mm. It suffers. It suffers from being out of step, out of place, and too much going on. I think for me, it's number six. I'll concede to that, yeah. I mean, there's some really cool sequences in number four. I do like the underwater sequence quite a lot. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really good. interesting. And I, I think the maze is actually really scary. I think they did quite good. No, the maze scary. is good. There are redeeming qualities. This is why it's not... I it's think, not clear-cut. It's not like yeah. it's super, like... You know, I think what also I would like to say, and I think we both agree, is that obviously these are, like, good films, like... The, you know they're telling interesting story and whether you like them and obviously they're not perfect all of them but they're successful films that makes sense they're not like awful terrible films uh, with bad actors and like terrible writing I mean you have moments but yeah. <laughs> but generally like mm-hmm. they're yeah, good yeah, films yeah. that we enjoy seeing as kids of so they course, can't be course. that bad and so they're, they're you know they're decent films I would make the point mm. that 6 and 7 1 are significantly below the others. Well, that's why we got them in the end. Yeah, yeah. I think they genuinely... Like, the step between our seventh pick and our sixth pick, which is now Goblet of Fire, there's a big gap there. You feel that? Yeah. There's a big gap there. Yes. I think that's a good point. I think it's just worth mentioning that there's a big gap there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, like I say, now these other six films we are talking about, they're all at some sort of standard, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, good films. Now, the, the interesting bit will come in this debate, I think, between five and eight... Order of the Phoenix and Hallows Part 2. Because so are we saying that the top three is going to be some order of one, two, three? As films, mm. yes. As films. That's my opinion. Why? What did you think that... Do you? I, feel, I get the sense that you think eight should be a little bit more considered. Uh, not necessarily. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Great. Um, Great I'm, little list I'm we're doing. Sort of, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sort of trying to balance my own personal opinion with, um, like, them as films and then what they did for the overall franchise. Do oh, you know I, I mean? see. Like, oh, now you're getting into an interesting argument like we did with the... Uh, <laughs> uh, like the Maybe uh, we should just set the ground rules at this time. <laughs> I know. But because well, I would concede right. that eight does something significant. Yeah. <laughs> You okay, just put uh, your finger up to your like face, just like really thinking, like yeah. really seriously. <laughs> because now, okay, then let's return. After Goblet of Fire, mm. what would you want to be next? Probably Order of the Phoenix. Okay, how do you feel about Order of the Phoenix? I think it's fine. I again, I think all the characters are a little bit grumpy, especially sort of Harry. I mean, they're less grumpy than they are later. And um, they're actually slightly less grumpy than they are in number four. Harrison is starting his depression phase. And he's, you know, he's got this thing with Cho Chang, and I really hate (laughs) saying her name because it's just awful. Congratulations, J.K. Rowling. You've done the most stereotypical, (laughs) and not even correct names. Like, like, Um, well done. (laughs) So, you know, there's that sort of weird romance situation. Uh, Oh, I remember when it came out, mm. and it was this big deal, Harry's first kiss. Like, it was, like, all, like, talked about and stuff on screen. It was, like, Harry Potter's first kiss on screen and blah, 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 blah. It's a bit creepy. They are, like, 15. Yeah. It's not creepy. It's not. It's not creepy. It's just... What's a bit weird is, like, her ex-boyfriend just died. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're making out. And I feel bad. They all get really mad at her. Oh, this is really annoying, the fifth one. No, that is bad. They get annoyed with her because she rats on them. It's, like, literally, you know she's using, like, torture to get things out of the kids? Like, obviously... No, no, but she doesn't use torture. She uses a truth potion. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, that's what I meant, yeah. No, but that's what I mean, is... There is no way she could not have told them. Like, they literally used all the truth. And it's like the kids aren't that smart if they think that, like, Cho betrayed them because, like, yeah, I know. It's so dumb because she clearly got caught by the three Slytherin guys and then just taken to, what's her name? Umbridge. I think Umbridge Umbridge is is funny. Yeah, Umbridge is a good redeeming quality in the fifth one. I really like her character. (laughs) Like,. (laughs) <laughs> my boyfriend hates can't stand her he really finds her annoying and I think that's the point she's very grating yeah she's grating but I think in a like it's a good character and it's well done I quite like that whole dimension of this, the concept of like actually what does it mean to be an authoritarian leader mm. authoritarian leader and she because she comes in and drastically changes everything yeah. enforces extremely strict rules and everything mm. and then basically yeah, basically yeah she tortures kids and it's like this is an interesting idea 
and yeah. like fairly well done. No, 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 I do think, yeah. and I think also from what I've heard, haven't read it. People say that the fifth is the longest and sort of more laborious book to read. Right. Oh, it's one well, of the it longest. Is, it is the longest. It is the longest, and like for them to. They've, like, really successfully, I think, done a nice film in terms of, like, the content. Yes, yeah. And the style. Just obviously taking the most important bits from the book. What I like about the fifth one compared to, like, the other ones is there's that depressive sort of bleakness. But it is counterbalanced in some moments by that kind of pop, by that kind of, like, light, Mm. which six and seven did not have. No. You know, so I quite, I always remember liking Five Loads, and then I rewatched it recently, and actually I started to see a few more issues with it, Mm. so I used to would have wanted to put it, like, in the ranking like fourth, or maybe even third, but Mm. I can see now it's it's actually Mm. a little bit lower. A little bit lower. Because you're right, in the sense that it also doesn't really do much for the franchise, Mm. I would say, number five. I just remember uh, as well, because we... Like grew up in and out of London, and so whenever I would go to London, when the Harry Potters were getting filmed, mm. you'd see like different things. So like the Millennium Bridge mm. right outside Tate Modern, mm. there's like a whole flying scene in the fifth yeah. one where they're going along the Thames, and they used to have like these like just broomsticks and like figurines and stuff on mm. them, and like it was just really cool to see it like there in that space. Remind me how fifth starts. Is that when Dudley's like he's like. <laughs> they're in the park Potter? yeah uh, uh, is Potter missing his mummy yeah and then <laughs> yeah. the Dementors come along yeah <laughs> and, then, and then she comes the old woman comes along she's like don't put away your wand Harry yeah <laughs> I mean this is another thing that's like a weird like rule that's not consistent like you're not meant to use magic outside of school but Harry loads in like films one, two, and three uses magic outside of school and like magic in number two or is it starting I think it's number three he's in his room doing magic He's done loads of magic. But I think that the the thing is, so the difference technically would have been that he did it in a public space where people could have seen the magic thing happen. Yeah, but they're being stupid because, like, obviously he was rescuing someone. Like, I don't... No, I know. And that um, that is what is inconsistent. It's like, he literally saved this guy's life hmm. from a magical Dementor that was going to kill him. So it's like... Oh, but it's because they all deny that the Dementors existed. I know, but still. And, but, but that's why I like that number five, again, because the authoritarianism and it's also like the propaganda and the denial. Oh, and I know you love about that politics, oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. I don't think it's always the best well done, mm. but there are moments where I'm like, I really like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it also has my favourite line in the whole thing. Which is, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, because, it's because he comes in, he looks at him and he has this expression. Yeah, it's a great moment. I'll I'll put five above Goblet of Fire then. Yeah, as in like, so we have in in fifth. Yeah, yeah, five is five. Five is five. Okay, then this is where I would put eight part two next in fourth spot. Mm. What do you think are the redeeming qualities in the filmmaking aspect of number eight? Um. The pacing's a lot better than the Oh, pacing's so much better. Pacing actually, like, it does feel quite, like, thrilling. I yeah, agree yeah. the pacing of the bit where they're, like, in the castle for ages kind of winds me up. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I think the way they round off the storylines is well done. Fairly well done. Actually, it kind of annoys me the way they round off Snape's death, actually. Okay, now more... It was very insignificant, Snape's death. Because you don't really see the snake actually kill him. You just see the snape after the snakes been and, and also the whole leader Negrini to what's his name Negrini Negroni what's that a bit Negroni <laughs> Negroni Negrini Negrini Negroni Voldemort comes along alright Negrini very good funny yeah uh, I mean actually if I'm being honest the more I think about it <laughs> I actually don't love it as a film but no I don't love it as a film I do think it, there are redeeming qualities yeah and I think it really does achieve a satisfying end especially for fans did you think the ending of the ending ending of it was good no it's a bit okay. cheesy well I mean yes the flash forward to them with the terrible like Olding like makeup. Yeah, but they, they basically look like they just had like a moustache thrown on him <laughs> and it was all a bit you know. I thought it would have been nicer to sort of see what their lives turned out like, like as in what's Harry, he becomes like part of the ministry or maybe he's one of those auras or whatever it is. Mm. That would have been more interesting to see. But I get like the wholesome message. I do like it ends how basically the first film ends 
which is them at the train station all together. That is a nice touch. But it's a nice filmmaking quality there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's so much about the first film that I want to talk about. But uh, there's not that much to say about 8. It's just better than 7-1. And, like, it ties everything off nicely. Mm. So I think that's why it goes there. And it's not better than 1, 2, and 3. No, I don't think so. Okay. Number 4 is Deathly Hallows 2. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Now we get into the good stuff. <laughs> the top three. Yeah, As top I said, three. I think some people will put Chambers of Secrets further up the list. But I think Chambers of Secrets should be next because I don't think it's as successful as one or three as a film. I have, this is hard. I have a lot of love for number two. I do as well. I actually think it's a really good, like, scary kiss film. It is very scary kiss film. You know, like, the flashbacks where, um, it's a flashback where Hagrid is talking to Tom Riddle mm. and the. Oh, what's the, the name? Spider. The spider. Aragog. Aragog. When the spider like emerges. Yeah. That whole scene is a bit like creepy. Mm-hmm. And then even when they go to see Aragog, that whole thing is like a little bit terrifying. Well, I do like about the second one, they did well considering I said not all the books have been written. They did a lot of nice mirroring between what Dumbledore says to Harry and then says to Tom Riddle. And it's like these parallels you can see starting to creep up. Because he's like, is there something you want to tell me, Harry? And then he says the same thing in the flashback to Tom Riddle. Is there something you want to tell me, Tom? Yeah. Uh, And just like those little details are really nice and do eventually obviously tie together when you learn in later Mm. films that Harry is Voldemort, is a Horcrux of Voldemort, etc. But do you think Voldemort would have been able to work out earlier? Mm. He doesn't really ever work it out. But you know... Which is a bit stupid of Voldemort considering he's meant to be this clever master wizard. Yeah, I know. know. But you know... (laughs) That is the thing about the development of the Voldemort character, mm. is he is a existential, very scary threat in the early films. Yeah. And then once he's reborn, I actually feel like he becomes a Less. bit of a caricature. Yeah, definitely. Like, apparently a lot of fans were kind of upset or, you know, were sad to miss the fact that they didn't um, include the backstory and history of Voldemort, or, like how he grew up and like why he is the way he is, and he does become just more like a really archetypal villain, which is why the last few films for me suffer. Like, my favourite films are the ones where Voldemort's not in it. But exactly, because Tom Riddle is a much more threatening character than and Voldemort interesting. is. Yeah, and interesting. And it's it's cool to see the way Tom Riddle, especially in the second one, mm. the way Tom Riddle is actually interacting with Harry is very interesting. Yeah. It's a great character dynamic. And then every time he talks to Voldemort, he's just like, let's finish this how we started it. Together. <laughs> and they just jump Like, you know, just like silly little gaffes like that. It's just yeah. a little bit like... And it's just like them, the last few films are just them always just throwing their wands at each other. And, yeah. You know, and it's like... And it's like, again, in magic, do you just do... <laughs> like, do you just point lasers at each other? That's another thing. Sorry. Um, like, they just want to... The baddies want to kill everyone. Why don't they just evade cadavering, cadavering anyone, everyone whenever they're fighting? Then they're just Bob's your uncle. You kill them, great. But that, no, but the thing is, I think in the books it says something about how it like takes part of your soul. Like you can't use it that much. But they don't say that in the films. Unless I, I think they something. do because really? the whole reason that in the sixth, this is in the sixth one when he's starting to understand what Horcrux is. Mm. Voldemort is going on about how he wants to kill people. Tom Riddle in the back fl- mm. in the flashback and. Then there is that mention of like it takes a it like exact it extracts a heavy toll on you to kill mm. someone, and so to basically stay alive, Voldemort had to split his personality mm. or his life, his soul up or something. Mm. It was I thought he did of, that because he wanted to, not because he had to. But I think it's like a mixture of both. Oh, okay. Well, to me, that wasn't clear. As okay. Well, of, you fair know, enough. Somebody's not, not read clear. the book. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But, but my point more generally sorry. is that like. The first three are great because Voldemort is this terrifying existential thing and you don't know what it is. Yeah. You don't really know what Voldemort is. It just makes me laugh. It's like, yeah, he is kind of funny because, you know, it's the bit in number four where he, like, Harry Potter's on the floor and Ray Fiennes goes like, get up, get up, get up. Get up, get up. Yeah. That always made me laugh. Um, The thing is, I I always always love Ray Ray Fiennes where he's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... Do you like his portrayal? <laughs> the thing is, I think Ray Fiennes is an amazing actor, and he plays in Schindler's List. He mm. is horrible. Um, well, uh, the direction might have been slightly better. I mean, yes, you get off Spielberg, you know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's yeah, it's a bit kind of crazy, insane villain. That's yeah, mm. again, more archetypal. Whereas I think it would have been more scary if he had been more like. Tom Riddle, like when he was younger, and he's like more just calculated and silent cold. and quiet yeah. and just slinking around. 
Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's he's the embodiment of Slytherin. Mm. That's the whole point. He, like, talks to snakes. He's kind of slimy. He kind of, like, is this, like, yeah. calculatingly cold, distant. You don't really kind of understand him. But, yeah, you, you kind of understand the journey into him becoming, like, aggressive and angry. But you also are a bit, like, he's so mysterious. Yeah. You know, it's a shame. But yeah. It kind of goes in that I mean, direction. I get you could say that, like, maybe he's going a bit, having a bit of a, like, crazy, happy day of, like, Meh, because he's like, oh, I'm reborn. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So he's a bit, you know, up in the energy level. But, <laughs> but then it's not, not the most effective, I don't think, in creating, like, tension and, like, an interesting character. Yeah. But you know when, oh, yeah. like, so, it, it, okay, again, in the fourth one, mm. when he's reborn, and you know how the Death Eaters come back to visit him, he's mm. reborn now, and he swipes away their mask. You remember that bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That bit should have been like a... He's swiping away their masks and he's going to kill you if you do not basically bow down to him again, mm. right? But instead, it just turns out he kind of just goes... He swipes away their masks he's like, where were you? Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Where have you been? <laughs> instead of like a... Why have you not been with me? Like, you know, like that kind oh, yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, intense. intense. Like... It should have been a tense moment for mm-hmm. all of them because they're... Basically, they fear him. That's why they follow him is because they fear him. Yeah. And it wasn't that... No. And that happens a lot in the other ones as well, especially in the interactions with Lucius Malfoy, where I always felt like, I think Lucius is supposed to be really scared of him, but it kind of looks like he's just a little bit of a weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a bit like weird. A weed who hasn't shaved in a while. Yeah. Not a bit, but yeah. like... I mean, we've gone off topic of the top three, but yeah, at the yeah. same time, like, it's interesting because I think that's what makes these three stand up, mm. is when you were saying earlier about, like, they have that lightness and the airiness, but actually the huge contrast between that and the terrifyingly scary moments of, like, who is Tom Riddle? Well, what is Voldemort? It's like a horror what? film. It's, like, it's never scary once you see the monster or the creature or the person haunting exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's the threat and the build-up, and I think, like, particularly that's what 3 is very successful mm-hmm. at doing and giving you the hint. So it's, like, everyone else being so afraid of this person makes you more scared. But as soon as you're confronted with him and, like, the reality is, like, it loses its tension. Because at the end of the day, he's just a weird-looking human. Which I guess they did on purpose as a design. I don't know what... I didn't mind the design. It depends what the description is in the books, to be fair. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it would have been complimented more if he was more sort of slinky, quiet, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary. He needed to embody this, the fear, the scariness a bit more, I yeah, think. Yeah, whereas his performance was more, uh, like, elaborate, I guess is the word. Uh, more which, Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah a little bit more yeah. like The Grinch. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like actually, it's top scary. <laughs> which is you know, but maybe it's a take. <laughs> it's a take, and you know, it's not that it's acted badly. It's just I think for me to make Voldemort yeah. more scary. <laughs> I think Voldemort should have been more scary. I think um, so. But maybe because it's a kids' film, they didn't want to make him too scary, so they were like ham it up a little bit. I don't know. But then they they completely did away with that in the first three, where it is scary. Yeah. Um, okay, so number three as a spot. What are we doing? Chamber of Secrets, I think. Okay. Any other reason for that film in particular, rather than the Voldemort aspect? Like, oh, I just think it's really done really well. Um, yeah, it's long, but I don't get bored in it. But no, again, I, I have watched it since I was a kid, so maybe if I was someone who didn't watch the franchise when they were younger, might not agree with that. I think I really like the the kind of build up of the basilisk fear. Like that's so mm. good when she's like, "There's yellow eyes by the sink" or whatever. Yeah, and the blood on the wall. Yeah, and all like that. it's it's yeah. quite like it really builds up a creepy Gruesome. horror vibe, yeah. and I think it does it really successfully. So and it's got the, it's got the great cast car chase sequence it's great or car flying sequence oh yeah that is fun it's, it's fun. funny watching them back though like the CGI in some of these early films they're not so good, bad. but that's part of the charm it is it's part of the charm and like a little bit of silliness it's, and it's like funny when Ron comes to his window at the beginning he's like hello Harry and his voice is slightly breaking yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cute okay okay you know what let's put that in number three spot then yeah which is Chamber of Secrets because also with the the first three films why i think they deserves top three spots as well as what we were saying about Voldemort being this sort of unknown entity and villain mm. is much more interesting and actually scary mm. the other element is that all these three characters shine a lot more harry ron and hermione because oh, they're see. given more space to have the like as i said i think ron just gets a bit grumpy and loses all character development yes, onwards yeah, his yeah. first three films he's really funny yeah you know, and like i mean all the characters really embody their roles and don't get like swamped by the plot 
Yeah. They have more breathing time and all these stuff. So that's why it's a shame because I watched something recently, like a video of, uh, I think, the casting directors talking about when they were trying to choose who to play them. Yeah. And they said about Ron, Mm. they were like, they saw Rupert Grint and he had this, and they were like, he had this really interesting face. He had this, like, real shyness about him, but then also was really cheeky. Yeah. And he loses all of that. Yeah. Like, the, that cheekiness and that funniness just goes away. Yeah. Like, because he has some great, like, one-liners in all the first three. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. It kind of, like, it kind of gets, like, dampened. Like, the spirit of Ron gets dampened in the latest films. It's very sad. Yeah. So we need to bring that back up, and that's why I think the first three, the characters are really, really great. All right, so. Okay, so top two we're on now. Top two, baby. I think I, I know what I would say. I know what I would say. Okay, let's try it one at the same time. What's our number one? Okay, number one spot. Yes. We're going to say the second part of it. Okay, so Harry Potter, Harry Potter and. and... Right, three, two, one. Philosopher of Azkaban. Oh! No! Really? Yeah, interesting. Mm. So why do you put Philosopher's Stone as number one slash Sorcerer's Stone, depending on where you are on the Atlantic? Part of it mm. is the reason we've put eight so high is number one mm. came out of nowhere... And was no, but it it, it took the world by storm. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, this is amazing. Like this is genuinely an incredible magical film. When you watch number one, I genuinely look at everything and I'm like, this feels magical. It's very transporting. It is very transporting. Like you watch it and you think, oh, amazing! I'd love to be like doing Quidditch or Mm -hmm. like, oh wow, I'd love to go down Diagon Alley and like going to a one shop or like you know just stuff like that and you're just like this is really really cool and also and i think this has to be said about all the films to be fair this is a point about all the films but the first one in particular the score is incredible oh yeah it's the good. music the oh yeah there was was it seven it's either six or seven part one it loses it well basically it doesn't open with that and i was like what no it's silent it's like yeah silence. there's one of them where they don't open with it and i was like oh six, this is sad oh i think it's six yeah that, that brought six down for me a peg now so yeah it's something really so enjoyable about it all of the sequences in that film mm. are fantastic very good i can't think of like a bit that i think is just like not good the only thing about number one is the, the sli- acting the overacting <laughs> yeah i was gonna say but you can kind of forgive that i do forgive that because it's it's a silly kids film mm. but in the best way possible yeah not in a bad way in the best way yeah it's a silly kids film in the best way mm-hmm. and i absolutely love that like especially the quidditch scene where he's like learning about what all the different types of balls are and like the flying around and like they're all learning how to fly on a broom like it's cool like it's fun and you just think oh i'd love to do that as a kid like it'd be really really fun yeah you know and and i think what's one of my favorite scenes from the first one is when hagrid comes find them on that like remote rock you're a wizard harry yeah i'm a what remember that on the trailer i'm a what (laughs) and like the birthday cake and it's just and he's like puts the fire on with his umbrella and it's just it's total vibes yeah actually one of my favorite scenes in all of the harry potter franchises in that and it is the end Mm. of number one Mm. where hagrid is saying goodbye to harry yeah and so i watched a video about this as well which was talking about the music specifically yeah and what john williams does so fantastic he like it's the repetition of the themes and the reintroduction of the themes at those critical emotional moments so Mm. then anytime you hear that now yeah you feel that emotion, that emotion yeah, and it's sure. like so incredible and it's like in the space of one film they've managed to establish harry potter as a character hagrid as a character and their relationship incredibly well yeah already in the space of one film and that relationship is now supposed to be an eight film arc yeah, basically yeah. seven film arc yeah yeah it really establishes so, a lot really well yeah yeah beautiful yeah nice okay so Should i tell you why i think yeah let's let's, let's i want to hear what your number three is your take on number three. Well, I think number three is, well, it's a difficult book on a lot of accounts, but actually for a franchise like this, it's a very difficult film to get right because it bridges from this sort of kid film into adulty, like teenage heavy dark stuff that comes it next. It does it well, yeah. And that's very tricky to get right. Mm. And I think Alfonso Cuaron was a great director to bring in to really handle that transition. You know, they're 13, 14, going into obviously the adolescence and the darker shades and you know teenage troublehood is uh really well addressed in the film and also just foreshadows a lot to come i wish alfonso coron had done more films to be honest because i think he would have then sustained 
the dark elements, but with the light that needed to be in the later ones. Do you know about his other films? Oh, yeah. What's he done? Gravity. He did Little Gra- Princess, mate. Oh, was it Little Princess? One of my favourites. Oh. Understandable. He, yeah, he recently did... Um, oh, what was the Mexican film he did? That one loads of awards in like 2020. I don't know. Not the maid. Oh, I've forgotten. It was black and white. Anyway, never mind. Was that him? Anyway, never mind. Basically, he has a history of being able to balance this light and darkness. Yes, exactly. Right, so he was the one for that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a difficult book, I guess, because you're adding a lot more elements to the world and these new characters, the Marauders map and everything. Yeah, it's good scene. It's really good scenes with that. Yeah, it's all done really well. And, but, you know, they go to Hogsmeade and there's, like, it's a building on, you know, we've just experienced Hogwarts, really, in film one and two. Mm-hmm. So you're suddenly building the wizard world. Mm-hmm. You're building the tone to change for, you know, the other films and the way mm-hmm. the story goes. So it's, like, quite a difficult film to get the balancing act right. Yeah. And I think Alfonso Corrin pulls it off wonderfully. I also think, as a redeeming factor for number three, mm. or I say redeeming, I just mean good, um, is any time in any sort of plot... That you start introducing time travel. time travel and you repeat things you yeah. have to really be careful with what you do yeah and actually i think three does it incredibly well yeah like especially the idea that this whole time dumbledore is kind of aware mm-hmm. of what's going on yeah you know because they keep coming back to him in that same spot and he kind of looks at them and goes <laughs> i know what's happened but I can't say anything. Yeah. So he just carries on. I mean, also, they have a new Dumbledore in the film. Which oh, that's is a, true, yes. Another true Sadly, passing. To, because the, the original Dumbledore was loved. Richard Harris, yeah. Yeah, Richard um, So, you know, that's a hard... Like, I think he just had a lot of difficult elements to strike mm. and get right to make sure that the sort of, I say, the darker tone and plot that's coming in the books feels natural and doesn't just, like, suddenly it's a kid's film and then, oh, it's down here and like really depressing and teenagering or mm. um yeah there's yeah. my um strong prose and i just like that the aesthetic feels really original the character development within the film itself is really good you know what it the aesthetic feels purposefully dark yeah exactly exactly and and i think with the other ones the darkness feels a bit like a bit as a second nature like it, it or not second nature it, what i'm trying to say is that the darkness in the other ones feels like just a thing to be there because Whereas, it's just a depressing yeah because it's just depressing but actually number three chooses yeah. to be dark it feels more stylistic moments. very stylistic and I think that's represented by the werewolf and wolf as well mm-hmm. kind of dynamic mm. I really like that I am at I was it called Animagus? An, anima- an, an, animagus. 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 That's yeah. one of those words that I struggle to say. Yeah. Like millennium. Wingardium <laughs> Leviosa. Leviosa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I just really enjoy the third one. I think mm. actually I watched it when I was probably turning into more teenagehood. Yeah. See, number five was that for me, which is I think partly why I liked number five for a while because I was like, oh, it kind of resonates mm. with me a bit more. But then actually. Yeah, looking back on it. And also, I think what was successful and much more scary, actually, in the third one were the, um, not Death Eaters. The Dementors. The Dementors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were scary, actually. And I think it's like, again, it was the tension of the build-up of not, like, any time you didn't actually see them was so much more scary, you know, when the train suddenly got really cold. Yes, there's such good sequences. Yeah, really good. And, like, at the lake where they're just flying and circling around him and not close up. Like, Inspecto Patrona! (laughs) It's, like, for me, uh, The Order of the Phoenix... It's not the one that attacks Dudley is not really very scary. No, but but you kind of already know what they are at that. Yeah, point. yeah, true, true. But um, yeah, I just think um, it's very good. The third one as a film, mm-hmm. it's very good. It's very. It's got the thing that's amazing about it is it's got its own very strong identity, but it, mm. it enables to bridge that gap between kid film and dark teenage film really solid well. really solid really very solid, solid. so yeah. that's, also, they, that's my shout for number one my favourite representation of Sirius Black in any of the films is number three. Oh yeah it's because, actually like layered and characterful yeah because he's like scary and this kind of crazy creepy man mm. but you also understand why he is that way because he's been locked up for 20 years or whatever yeah like and, and so it's really interesting to see like Harry's approach to him yeah because he doesn't realise he's actually this like family figure to him and that kind of discovery and then again when all the teachers are in that room with uh the the rat uh, with remus yeah yeah. remus yeah and that whole revelation in that scene Mm -hmm. is really well done from the build-up of the entire film 
So for oh. me, the, the thing that puts number one, I agree with all your points on number one, and the only reason that I put it in spot number two, well, not the only reason, but one of the stronger reasons for me putting it in number two is the, like, lack of decent performances from some of the children. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that is the thing. In number three, everyone's performance is good. In my yeah. opinion, everyone. I mean, Harry, like Daniel Radcliffe is still, he's getting there, he's getting there, but he's got hard material, to be honest, like, for a 13, 14-year-old kid. I have to say, Daniel Radcliffe grew into it. Oh, yeah, he evolves into a really strong actor. It's really interesting to watch. And, like, watch he's his great now. now. I he's really so like Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, he was, he's surrounded by, like, amazing actors. You would have learned so much from them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so I hear your points. I hear your points. But, I mean, but, I mean, talking about, obviously... The significance. Significance is number one. That's hard to that's hard to disagree with. I mean, it is that thing where I'll put Harry Potter on like any time of the year, but especially if you put it on like Christmas, it really transports mm. me back to going to see it for the first time or just watching it as a kid. And it is that music. Everything's so well established. The music is a massive part of why Harry Potter is so loved. And I think people don't give it cr- enough credit mm. because obviously everyone knows. But like, actually... It is so good at hitting those emotional points. Mm. Your memory is just transported to all those scenes mm. every Beautiful. time. And all right, all right, all right. Okay, number one or two. We'll say we can put number one and number one if you want. <laughs> but I might be willing to concede that number three is a better film. Mm. So you this tell is tough. me. Well, we tell each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how it goes. Well. So, did we put seven part one last? Yeah, we did. Because I wanted that. Yeah. Well, we can put number one. Okay, that's a fair compromise. So, we go back, start to finish. So, the worst Harry Potter film. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one is the worst. Number seven. Second worst. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Dumbledore dies and it's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> then we have number six. Harry Potter... And the Goblet of Fire. Yes. The then Triwizard we have Tournament. Triwizard Tournament times. My boy. <laughs> then we have... Great line, to be fair. <laughs> then we have... What's number five? Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, number five. Number five. Yeah. Number four. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two. Big bad finisher. Oh, yeah. Now we have number three. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny descriptor. Big bad finisher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're getting dodgeable. Number three. Number three. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Then we have number two. Which is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm, good old Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah. Now number one. Is that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Beautiful. So It is beautiful. It's yeah, I'm beautiful. pretty happy with that ranking. Yeah. I, I think, if I'm honest, the top three stand quite far above. Mm. Then there's the three below. Mm. And then the two are significantly... <laughs> they're the over bottom. there. Yeah, they're literally in the they're pavement. They're in the bin. <laughs> they're in the bin somewhere. They're pavement. Yeah, they're that. in the bin. So, <laughs> do we explain what pavement no, is? No, I don't think we do. <laughs> It's not very good, is what we would say. <laughs> pavement is not good. Yeah. Pavement is bad. Yeah. Ah, funny. Um, but like we said at the start, you know, it's a very hypnotic, exciting world yeah. to be transported to. It All is. the films, like overall storyline, mm. whether, you know, some of the nuance and logic, I'm sure we could debate about yeah, and I could yeah, complain about. But that's in any sort of world yeah. building. And and the the phrase I would use is it is magical. Beautiful. Love it. It is magical. It is. Yeah. Well, I do briefly want to mention before we kind of close this off is like the casting is, this is like British powerhouses yeah. of a casting list. Amazing. And that was J.K. Rowling was like, I only want British actors, apart from like characters who are European, but you know, have to be British, English, Irish, Scottish, mm. Welsh, like there are no Americans. You know, Robin Williams wanted to play Hagrid. Really? Yep. Mm. Wrote a letter to the old J.K. Rowling saying, please let me be in your film. And she said no. <laughs> wow. So sorry, mate, you're American. No good here. I kind of respect it. Yeah, I think she knew that she wanted Robbie Coltrane to be in the in the film. I'm really sad, like a lot of the actors from Harry Potter have passed away. Robbie Coltrane, mm. Alan Rickman, Richard I, Harris, like a lot of a lot yeah. of fantastic actors and um what amazing privilege and joy to work with them as those kid actors. Like I'm I very know. jealous. And People it, to learn from for sure. It's interesting seeing the trajectory of the three careers mm. of the kids because I mean yeah, I mean 
Emma Watson has just had a massive career. Well, what's really interesting, she's kind of gone, like, the traditional, like, Hollywood career. Yeah. Then we've got Harry, who's gone, like, indie film sort of career. Which is great. And then we've got Ron, who's do nothing. Well, no, he, Enjoying he, his life. No, he runs an ice cream truck around half a well, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> enjoying, enjoying the vibe. Once you've good. done such a big franchise from such an early age, you probably just think, like, I've got all the money in the world. What... What can I actually do now? Like, I, yeah. what do I do? Yeah. And I think Emma Watson seems to have taken the... Well, she wants to be an actress, but also she does a lot of, like, um, feminism yeah, work yeah, and, like, charity work um, and stuff. and Politically active. Yeah, politically active. And I think, uh, yeah, it's not surprising to see the routes they've gone down. I think they're all very good, valid, yeah. good, enjoy-your-life routes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Valid, enjoy-your-life routes. And that's what we hope everyone listening to this podcast yeah. has in their life. It's a good valid. message from one of us, the filmmaker podcast, to you. <laughs> Have a valid, enjoy your life route, <laughs> pathway in life. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I hope for you, Jiggy. Yeah. Do you have any favourite scenes or favourite lines from the, across the franchise? Uh, I already said one of my favourites. I basically said all the ones that have stuck out in my mind, mostly because they actually make me laugh. Okay. Get up, get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a great one. Oh, yeah. so funny. Mine is definitely still, she's back. <laughs> that is that is top tier, and then yeah, one of my favorite emotional scenes is like I said the at end of of number one. And I think like for me, it's actually less about scenes. I would say, and it's more about just I really do like the spectrum of characters you get to see, especially you know all the defenses against the dark arts teacher like mm. Gildroy Lockhart in number two is great. Yeah, uh, is he the uh, the preppy like? Yeah, yeah, part? the one that Hugh Grant might have played. Yeah, the slightly camp guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start, yeah, start, yeah, start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, he starts running away, he like, gets really scared or something, starts yeah. panicking. You know? All the characters and the actors, especially the adults, you know, they really embody those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think the nice thing about Harry Potter is they do, it does give the kids, and I always like this as, as a thing in any medium, doesn't matter whatever story is being told. Treats them with respect. Treats them with respect and provides them agency, especially in the first one. I mean, it's become a bit of a meme now where Ron's like, not me, not Hermione, you. You know, <laughs> like, um, but like that whole like sequence is like, they all figure it out because mm. they're kids and they're yeah. smart, you know? He's going to sacrifice himself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just top two meme at the moment. Yeah, no, it's, like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> lots of great moments across lots of films. Mm. You know, our ranking is what it is. Yeah. There are hardcore people who love Harry Potter to death. Good for you. <laughs> good it's for valid. you. It's a valid enjoy your life. <laughs> Cassia wanted to say good for you, not as good as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're very different actually. They, are, different, they are fantasy. Yeah. They're completely different. Yes, so they are ways. very different tonally. You can't you shouldn't compare them. Uh, I just happen, yes, to be a hardcore Lord of the Rings fan, not mm. a hardcore Harry Potter fan, yeah. but I am a fan of Harry Potter movies for sure. Yeah, I, um, I, I really grew up with those first few ones and always loved them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, we put number four place fifth or, no, in number sixth place, but it's actually, I still love watching it. Yeah, it's I fun. Enjoy it. I used to have it on DVD and I used to watch it and all the behind the scenes, so, you know. Maybe that's why I don't like it so much because I've watched it so many bloody <laughs> Too times. Too many times. I literally know every scene in that film. It's not. It's not ideal. Oh, I like. I like knowing stuff. So no, I know, but it, it's. It's not that. It's just you know when you just watch something too much. Mm, well, well it's you've the same done that to yourself then. Yeah, no, I know. You're screwed I know, it for I yourself. yourself. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah. Uh, next week we're going to have a movie throwback. Oh. Which is always exciting. Very exciting. Where we just talk about one specific movie. So yeah, so tune in for that. And mm-hmm. if you haven't heard our episodes from season one or two. Yeah, check it. them out. Yeah, go. They're chilling out there. They're everywhere, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to them. Um, let us know what you think. And then also, let us know if you agree with our list from mm. today's episode. Um, Tell us you what your favourite Harry Potter film, if mm. you agree number one needs to be in the top spot, or yeah. maybe you love seven part one. I mean, hey, must be out there someone. Or maybe I not. really hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. But... Each to their own. Exactly. <laughs> Charlize Theron. <laughs> Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. So good. Yeah. Um, Speak to you later then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good start to season three. Yeah. So, exciting. Yeah. And see you on the flip side. See you on the other side. <laughs>